Well, I don't have any cute videos to show you today, so uh, you should have to just deal with me. Okay. Um, it's good to see you this morning. It's amazing to me. Last night, actually, I was looking for something uh, at the last minute, kind of. We looked all week, and sometimes you find something that really connects, and sometimes you don't. Didn't find anything. And I was thinking last night about, uh, about how people sometimes uh, use their, their, or think they have a gift, and then they don't use it very well. Or think they have a gift and they really don't have it, so they do it anyway. And so, you know, my mind amazingly went to American Idol. Um, and I, so I got on YouTube last night, and I was looking at videos from YouTube. Uh, it's really interesting to look. Uh, YouTube has everything, but I you know, put in American Idol, and there's amazing stuff. It's amazing. Uh, several people have made up the compilations of the five worst auditions for American Idol of all time. And none of them were the same. There was like dozens of different uh, ones like that. And it would always amaze me. I always watch the first few weeks of American Idol because it just amazed me at human behavior. Uh, how these people will go on there and they think that they can really sing. And, and they're terrible. And then they'll get out there and they'll be all distraught because, you know, their mama's there with them or their daddy's there with them or some friend's there with them. And they're back there encouraging them along the way. And I'm going like, oh, my gosh. And, and, and they just... They just don't get it. The good thing was, sometimes though, also last night when I was going through, I also saw there was videos on their American Idol 2 of some of the original editions of certain people along the way who have made it big, like uh, Kelly Pickler, uh, Carrie Underwood, um, Chris Daughtry. I saw, watched those videos as well. Do you know that Chris Daughtry, when he first interviewed, the very first interview on American Idol, Chris Daughtry, now this is a guy who's made it huge. Uh, you know that Simon Cowell said no? He, he voted no, and I was going, man, that's amazing. I wonder if Simon feels stupid today, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, probably not. Uh, so, uh, but I always thought it was amazing. The good thing was it shows the difference between people working their giftedness and the work outside of their giftedness, that we need to discover who we are. Uh, God has given us all a mixture of things uh, and uh, made us, shaped us the way we are. And when we tend to lean into or try to work out of our weakness, you know, sometimes we wish that we could do something we really just can't do, and we try to do it. It's frustrating, isn't it? I mean, if you think you can sing and you go on American Idol and you can't sing, it's not only frustrating, it's embarrassing. You, every, millions of people see it. But so often in life, we tend to get frustrated because we think, that wish I could do this, wish I could do that. And it may not be the strength in our life. And what we need to do, though, is, you know, in your life, though, when you work in your sweet spot, in the area where you're gifted, it makes a huge difference. It gives you encouragement. You're encouraged through that. Uh, and you become the person that God wants you to be through all of that. Uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today, is we're going to be talking about discovering the gifts that God really gives us. And what we do with those. Last week we talked about how we're to develop a servant's heart. That God has given us, uh, we talked about different attitudes of the heart last week. And the, the kind of attitude that we're to develop in our life ultimately is this heart attitude of this. What's mine is God's and I'll share it. What's mine is God's and I'll share it. God has shaped us and wired us that way when we follow him. And, and also a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how we, to, how we are God's masterpiece, how God made each one of us unique, and he broke the mold for us individually. And today we're going to talk about how he wired us in a certain way and, and how he longs for us to use those gifts. And we're going to talk about one area of the shape, the, the spiritual gifts today that God has given to us. So if you have your Bibles this morning, you might want to turn them over to uh, 1 Corinthians this morning, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture over in 1 Corinthians that, that 
it's one, just one of several passages that deal with spiritual gifts. Now, in your bulletin this morning, I put in there some, uh, a little place where it talks about spiritual gifts in four locations in Scripture. You can go back and look at those later. And if you want more information about spiritual gifts, actually out in the hallway over on the Welcome Center, there's a rack on the wall, and there's a little, uh, there's a little uh, two-sided thing that I put out there that says what the Bible says about spiritual gifts if you want to read more about these as well. Some ten truths along with Bible passages and some things about those as well for those of you who'd like to go further in this this morning. But this morning as we look at 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul talks about spiritual gifts. And he says this, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, isn't that a great way to start something? Uh, but the reason he's saying this is because as he talks to this church in Corinth, this church in Corinth was a church that, was, that, had, that had not arrived. It was a very immature church. It was a church that was struggling. And actually the, the whole thing of being not understanding spiritual gifts was causing it conflict in all kinds of ways. And so Paul, in, in dealing with this, teaching about this, he t- says, first of all, I don't want you to be ignorant because the first thing before you can understand how to use the gifts that God has given to you, you need to understand what, why he gave them to you and what the gifts are. And, and so he begins to give some examples of spiritual gifts. And then he says this a uh, little bit further in that passage. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, of the, the, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now a couple of things he says here that stands out really vividly in this passage is first of all, he uses three times he uses the word different. He says there's different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different kinds of working. And then he says, but the same God, the same Spirit is working in all those things. The good news is, is this, God has not made us the same. All of us are different. You don't have to be like somebody else. Even our kids sometimes are different than us. We've talked about that before. If you have kids, you know that. They don't necessarily have the same gift mix that you do, the same passions, the same desires, the same abilities that you do. They may because they're genetically connected in some way, but usually they have some different gifts. And all of you have multiple kids. No, they're all shaped different ways, even personality-wise. Next week, uh, Chris is going to be talking about that a little bit more. But the first thing is this. God gives all of us a different gift mix. Now, the second thing he says is this, each one, for each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Why does God give spiritual gifts to people? Very easily to see here, because he says it's for the common good. It's not so you can go around and say, look at me, I'm so cool. You know, I can sing on American Idol. Not me, but you know, I could probably do a better job than some of the ones on audition week, but... but um, but I'm not going to. But the issue is, is that so often in life, what it is is that we think uh, that we have something and we get proud. That was the problem in the Corinthian church. People were getting proud because they had certain gifts they thought were better than other gifts. But God says here, Paul says here, he says in Scripture, he says, it's given for the common good. The reason that God gives us these gifts is not so we can take them and hide them and put them away somewhere and say, oh, I'm good. It's so we can help others. We can help each other. We can be complete. You know, in marriage it says when you're married, the two become one. Now, the, the one together is, more, is actually able to do more than the two individually. It's kind of a weird math thing. But the issue is, is that if, you know, my wife has skills and abilities and gifts and strengths that I don't have, and I have skills and abilities and strengths that she doesn't have, and together, if we work together for the common good, 
It makes us a better family. It makes us better parents. It makes us better in a lot of ways. And that's what he says to us about spiritual gifts. And that is why it's so important for us to discover what those, what those gifts are. You see, when the Bible says clearly that when we become a believer, when we become a person who says yes to Jesus Christ, something happens in our life besides being saved and being able to get a ticket to, for eternity to go to live with God in heaven. Another thing the Bible says is that at the point of when we say yes to God, God's spirit comes into our life and begins to give us and stir within us certain things in us called spiritual gifts that help other people. And we're to use them to help other people. So it's important for us to discover what these things are, what these gifts are in our lives. The cool thing about gifts is this. Everything that God wants to do through Great Oaks Community Church, he has given us people who are gifted to do it. You see, if we don't discover what our gifts are and don't exercise our gifts, we're going to talk about that today, then we're not doing all that God wants us to do. But I can know, and you can know, as a leader in the church, I can know what God wants us to do because of what is happening in the community, and secondly, how God is, who, who God has brought into the life of Great Oaks Community Church. And that's exciting because he's given us exactly the people we need to do what God wants to do if we'll just look at those gifts, understand those gifts, and exercise those gifts in our lives. You remember John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and the Blues Brothers? It's a really dumb movie. Funny movie, but really dumb. Uh, remember what they said when people said, what are you doing? They would say, we're on a mission from God. You know, I, well, whether they were or not is another issue. But uh, that's what they said. That's what they said. When we become followers of Jesus Christ, we need to understand something. We're on a mission from God. God has shaped us for a purpose. And we really are on a mission from God. And so to, to understand what our mission is, we need to discover how God has shaped us. And part of that shape, as we've talked about already, is the whole thing of discovering what our spiritual gifts are. Now, today I'm not going to try to cover everything about spiritual gifts because I couldn't possibly do it in the remainder of the uh, 17 minutes I have. And, um, and I couldn't possibly do it, uh, you know, uh, because there's so much in Scripture about spiritual gifts. But let me begin to, this today just to kind of help you to understand uh, about spiritual gifts, about what the Bible talks about. In the Bible, and we're going to, this is not necessarily something the Bible does, but I want to car- car- categorize the gifts uh, into four different categories because the Bible talks about 20, it lists about 20 spiritual gifts. Now, I don't think this is exhaustive. I think these are just illustrations of what uh, spiritual gifts are. I don't think this is just all the things there are. Because everywhere they are, there's a little bit different, little different mix of the gifts we see in these different passages that you have in your outline there this morning. But as we look at them, I see kind of four different categories of spiritual gifts so you can understand kind of where you are. And I want to give you some quick examples about them as well. The first group of gifts I would call relational gifts. Relational gifts. Some of you are very good with people. Some of you love to be around people. Some of you love to talk and interact with people. Some of you have a gift that the Bible calls the gift of hospitality. You know what the gift of hospitality is? It's what you love to serve people. You love to, you love to you know, help people along the way, to bring people into your home, to make them feel comfortable. When I think about the gift of hospitality here at Great Oaks, it's really easy for me to point out two or three people that I think that have just ooze hospitality gift. Cindy Gunn uses the hospitality gift. You know, she's the head of our, of, our, uh, of our first impressions out here. 
I mean, Cindy is just like the warmest, friendliest person you'll ever meet. Of course, another person is Debbie Rao. Debbie Rao, you know, she's always back here serving, 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 making people, you know, if I mention your name today, don't be embarrassed. I'm encouraging you, okay? But the issue is, is that, and I'm not going to mention everybody in the church's name, by the way, so just calm down and, okay. But I just want to say, now, if you think about those of you who know those two persons I just mentioned, automatically it comes to mind. Oh, warm, caring person who loves to help other, you know, who just loves to, they're hospitable people. See, that's a gift that God has given. It's an ability they have, but God has taken that. Sometimes it's ability. Sometimes it's just something that all of a sudden when you become a believer, it's just amplified. Sometimes it's something totally new you may not have had before. But God says there's these, these, these gifts. He talks about the gift in the Bible, the gift of hospitality. Another gift that's a relational gift is the gift of evangelism. The gift of evangelism, that's where, where people are able to share their faith in a, in, in a real comfortable way, and they do it just naturally. There's certain people I can think about through my years of ministry who just, man, they were like, ah, that's just their thing. They just love it. I, I, I shared a few years ago about a guy named Wes. He was a guy in my youth group years ago who, kind of a goth guy before goth was cool. And, um, and he would bring everybody, he'd bring all these guys, to, all these guys and girls to our youth group, you know, just really unusual people, uh, you know, different colored hair and ear piercings and tattoos. And, and we kind of were a middle class, you know, kind of like we are here, uh, kind of church. And, but man, Wes just had this heart, this heart for relational evangelism, just reaching out to people, building bonds with people and help them to know Jesus Christ. Uh, another guy years ago in another church, his name was Lloyd Hensley. Lloyd was just had this gift of evangelism. He's always looking for opportunities. When I think about here in Great Oaks, I mean, I, I mean, just tell you, I think Fred Schreffer. Let me tell you, uh, when Fred went overseas on two tours of duty to overseas, you know what he talked to me about? Not all the hardships over there and 120 degree Iraqi heat and stuff like that. He talked about the opportunity of being able to share Christ with people who were in the military. That was his heart. You see, God has gifted all of us in certain ways. We need to understand what that gift is. Another relational gift is the gift of mercy. The gift of mercy, it's a relational gift. I love the story of, the, of Bob Pierce, the founder of World Vision. Many of you who know what World Vision is all about, it's, a, it's an organization that feeds the hungry people all over the world. It's literally saved thousands of lives or millions of lives probably, uh, people throughout the world. Bob Pierce, though, when he was... Uh, um, He's the founder and primary visionary of World Vision. At one point, he went over to Indonesia later in his life. And as he was over there, he was struggling with leukemia. And uh, he was walking along one day along a river, and he saw a woman lying there on a bamboo mat next to the river. And because he had this gift of mercy, this gift of just compassion, in a real sense, what he did is he went over and, and he... And he uh, and he went over and saw the woman lying there. And she was, he came come to find out through an interpreter that she was dying of cancer. And she had left the hospital and it was her final days. And she was lying by the river because she wanted to be in a place where it was calm and cool. And he walked over, her, over to her and he didn't even know her name. But because he had this relational gift, he knelt down, grabbed her by the hand, caressed her hand, and began to pray with her. And she didn't understand a word he said because he spoke English. He, he didn't speak, speak the language, the Indonesian language. But the interpreter said that after he spent, finished praying with her, the lady said, said these words. She said, if only I could sleep. If only I could sleep. See, the pain that she was going through with cancer was causing her to have sleeplessness. And she had come there in a sense to die. 
And she wanted peace and calmness. And Bob Pierce thought about that. And in his pocket was a, a prescription drugs because he was going through leukemia. And those drugs were to help him to sleep. And so what he did is he took the drugs out of his pocket, gave them to the interpreter, said, give these to the lady, tell her to take you know, whatever the prescription was. It'll help her to sleep and be calm. He knew, though, when he gave those away that he would not be in a place where he could get the prescription refilled for himself for probably one to two weeks. And so he would have no sleep during that time. That's a person who has the gift of mercy. I mean, some of you may have that gift as well, that gift of, of just when you see a need, you just, it just, your heart is torn because of that. The gift of mercy. These are relational gifts that we have. And there's others mentioned in Scripture as well. There's also serving gifts. Serving gifts that are mentioned. Uh, there are those of you who are willing to do, do the things behind the scenes uh, because uh, you really w- don't want the spotlight on you. you, you would, the worst thing in the world for you to, would be for me to point you out. Or to ask you to come on stage. Because, boy, that would freak you out totally. Because that's not you. That's not you. you just want to be behind the scenes and, and helping people as well. In Romans 12, 8, it speaks of an encouraging gift. It says this, if your gift is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him do it generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. This encouraging gift, this encouraging gift, this behind-the-scenes serving gift, it's done in many ways. It's mentioned here, one of them, the gift of giving. Now, you don't think of giving as a gift, but I know people who have this incredible ability. God has given this incredible ability of, of, of making money and then giving it away and sharing it with others. I heard an incredible story the other day from another pastor, and he was telling this story, and it was something I was listening to on, in the radio. And he was telling this story about this lady in his church, and she had this gift of giving. And he didn't really even realize it for a long time. I and mean, he knew she was always, because people who have this gift don't do it outside too much. You never know it's going to happen. But this lady uh, who, who, who never had, she'd been a bookkeeper during her life. She'd helped in the church by doing some, some accounting things. But when she died... Uh, they heard from her attorney that she was giving a, par- a portion of her estate to the church. And he was thinking, oh, you know, she never probably made over, you know, just a small amount a year. And so she probably didn't have, well, it wouldn't be much, a few thousand dollars maybe. He didn't realize what her gift was. God had given her the ability not only to make money, but to use it wisely. And she, when they found out, she, she, gave, she gave the church $2.7 million dollars. Because God had given her this ability to just to make, use the resources wisely. She had invested. She had made lots of money. And this was just a portion of her estate. See, God, and I know a guy named Paul Scott in Virginia. Uh, he's dead now. But Paul is a great guy, and he had that gift. Nobody would never know went to church, but he was always coming to me and saying, what kind of need do we have that I could help somebody with? Not only he, he gave to the church financially, but he gave to people all the time. In, in incredible ways. God says some people have that gift, that serving gift, and one, one way they do that is through the gift of giving. Another gift is kind of a weird gift in, because the way it sounds, it's called the gift of helps. The gift of helps? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's people who love to help other people. People who come alongside others and help people in ministries, and they don't mind being behind the scenes. Um, I'll just tell you this because, you know, this is, once again, it's encouraging. Uh, you don't know a lot of people who come around here and do stuff during the week. You don't see them. They do stuff. Tammy Blanchard. Tammy, you're, you're a blessing from God, okay? 
She comes over here during the week. Nobody knows she's over here. And she spends hours and hours and hours putting together all the, all the stuff for children's ministry, uh, all the, all the um, stuff, to the, to everything works over there, the, the little the name tag stuff, all the stuff every week does that. She's so excited because we're going to a, going to a, a computerized program that will eliminate about half her job. But all she'll do is just find something else to do, I'm sure, because that's her gift. That's her gift. She has this gift of helps as well. And there's tons of other people in the life of the church that have that gift. God gives some of you that gift as well, this gift of helps. You just love to help people to do things. There's another group of gifts that so often, and these are the gifts that sometimes I think that we way overblow, but God says all gifts are equal. I call them upfront gifts, upfront gifts. It's people that have the gift of communicating God's word, a teaching, and, and doing those things. And so often we think that those people, we, a lot of people, that was a problem in the Corinthian church. People were trying to look at gifts and say, oh, these are much more cool gifts because everybody gets recognized. Let me explain something to you. The gift that I have and the gift that the band has of playing up here are great gifts. But they're not more important than any of these other gifts. Matter of fact, in a minute I'm going to tell you what the average Sunday at Great Oaks looks like and why it works. And we need to understand that upfront gifts are important. In God's economy, all gifts are equal. And God does give certain people with gifts of communication, of teaching, other people gifts of, of being able to actually really sing and play and do other things that need to be done up front. But the issue is God gives us all these gifts. And I'm not going to say much more about those because we, we overblow those gifts too often. The last group of gifts I call them are, are support gifts. They're not exactly the same with serving gifts or support gifts. These are gifts that are like the gift of discernment. These are the gifts that maybe some people have. They have this uncanny ability to distinguish between truth and error. Guess where we want those type of people to be? On our leadership team. We want people who can discern between truth and error and have a discernment gift to be people who are in key leadership roles in our church. They may not be upfront people, but they have this ability to understand God's word and discern between truth and error. There's other people, another gift in, in this mix is called the gift of faith. Now, while the Bible says in Hebrews that all of us should have faith, there are certain people, I'm just amazed at all the time, that, that just believe that God's going to do something. And I don't think they're naive. I think they're, they just have this gift of faith. They always see God at work. And they have this incredible gift of faith no matter what the crisis is or what's going on they're willing to take the next hill because they have the gift of faith another gift is the gift in this group of support gifts is the gift of intercession or the gift of prayer we're going to be talking about that in january this year as we talk about next year this whole thing of how we can reach more people for christ and how what god has shaped us to be in regard to that but the gift of intercession and prayer is a gift that some people while we're all called to pray and all called to intercede the thing is some people have this amazing ability to do it for hours and hours and hours and they're just focused on that you know, I read books over the years. Uh, have you ever read any spiritual biographies of these great people? And you know, and you read them, and they're people who every morning we get up at three a.m. or five a.m. or whatever and pray for two and three hours and do all this stuff. And you know what I always felt when I read those books? Defeated. Because I'm going like, man, if I pray for three hours a day, I would just like go to sleep. I'm just being honest with you, because sitting around praying. To, for me, when I pray the best, I'm walking. 
And I'm in nature, and I'm thinking about it, and it, for some reason that calms my spirit, and I can do that. But some people have this incredible ability, this incredible passion in their life. God has shaped them in a way where they intercede for people. Uh, we have some people that probably don't know that come up here on you know, Thursday nights and pray at church. Small group of people. But, but I'm sure they're all shaped in such a way that they have this great desire in their life to intercede and to pray for others. Some people have another support gift is a a support gift of knowledge and wisdom. It's the God-given ability to share the truth and love in any given situation. Sometimes, I think that gift is shaped, not only given to us, but it's shaped with with maturity in our lives. There's some people you just go to, and they have this this incredible wisdom about how to use stuff in life and how to make it work in life. And and God has shaped that and takes that and makes it into something that's uh, incredible. Now, I say all that to talk about those gifts to say this. What does God want us to do with our gift? What does God want us to do with our gifts? Number one, discover it. We need to discover it. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now, let me tell you something. If you really, you know, if you've accepted Christ, one of the things you really eagerly desire is to discover what your spiritual giftedness is. It's because out of that spiritual giftedness and your shape, you discover what, how God has made you. And out of that, you, you live life the way God wants you to live it. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How do you discover your gift? Well, examine and experiment. Examine and experiment. You ask questions like, when was I most, when I served, when was I most filled with joy? What did I do that brought the most passion to my heart? What, as I look back on life, what have I had the most success in? And what have other people affirmed in me? Those things are all hugely important. I need to tell you that a personal illustration of that is a struggle I had years ago when I first began the process of going from, uh, I was in ministry, I was a youth pastor for several years, a, a pastor of discipleship, and I was thrown into a situation where I was, uh, because of a pastor, lead pastor in the church I was in, died. One Sunday and the next Sunday, all of a sudden, I'm lead pastor, ex, you know, without even being asked just because of need. And so all of a sudden, I had to start speaking every week. I had done it occasionally. And I really struggled with the whole thing of communication. Is is this really what I wanted to do? But people affirming me and encouraging me along the way, saying, hey, Bill, you're good at this. You You can do this. That affirmation process was something that was huge in my life. And that's why we need other people around us that know who we are and encourage us along the way. So the first thing in discovering it is to, to try stuff out, experiment, but also to help people uh, to help you to understand that. Frederick Buchner says this. He says, our gifts are the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep need. I love that quote. Your gifts are the place where your deep gladness meets the world's deep, deep needs. A couple of weeks from now, we're going to allow you the opportunity to, to experiment. Now, we, we don't ask people in here to make really long-term commitments. You know, we're not committing for the next three years to this or five years to this or anything like that. But we do ask people to experiment with giftedness. And so what we're going to be doing a couple of weeks from now for two weeks in a row is over here on the side wings, we're going to have a ministry booth set up with the six core areas of our church as far as serving. And we'll have people there after the services, before and after the service, who will allow you, who will be talking with you about ministry opportunities here in this church and in the community that we're connected with already. And what we want to ask you to do is to, is to try it out. It's to try it out. You know, we're not asking you when you, sometimes you may try something out and you're going, well, that's just not me after a few weeks. We don't want you to be frustrated. We want you to be focused. And so what we want to do is we want to give you that opportunity 
to experiment and to examine what God has given to you in your life. That's the first thing, discover it. Number two, develop it. In 1 Timothy 4.14, it says this, Do not neglect the spiritual gift that is in you. Some of, uh, some of you here, some of us here, are, have amazing gifts that God can use. I mean, you're, it's latent. It's laying there. It's waiting for God to take it and use it and shape it and do some miraculous things in your life. And it has to do with all the gifts. It's not just about the upfront. It's about all these gifts. God can use you in amazing ways. 2 Timothy 1.6 says this, Fan into flame the gift God gave you. That means to deepen it, to increase it, to cultivate it. Don't be discouraged and don't quit when it doesn't work easily. That's why he wants you, when you try something, give it a few weeks. Don't just do it one, one day, okay? Because there's a big, there's a big thing that we, dis, that we don't understand sometimes uh, uh, about gifts is this. is One of the things we need to understand is just because you are gifted in a certain area does not mean it's easy all the time. Just because the people that play on stage up here you know, wouldn't it be cool? I always thought this would be great. God gives me the gift instantaneously. I'm perfect at it. You know, I, I always want the gift of playing the guitar. Now, I don't know if that's a spiritual gift or not, but, you know, I thought maybe, you know, without practice, without any, you know, ever, any effort, all of a sudden I could just do it. All of you who are musicians, didn't you wish you didn't have to practice? Uh, you know, that's part of the process. God hones that. The reason the people up here can play and sing is because they practice. If you think this because I have the gift of communication that I just kind of pops you up on Sunday morning, open my Bible and teach. You don't see the 15 or 20 hours a week that I'm preparing, I'm studying, I'm, I'm you know, Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. here at the church doing my final prep for two hours before we, before we do this. It still takes work. But God says we need to fan it into flame. We need to develop it. We need to use what God has given to us. And finally, the last thing is this. We need to use your gift. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one of you should use whatever spiritual gift he has received to serve others, faithfully managing God's grace in its various forms. And then in Ephesians 4.12 it says, Why is it that he gives us these special abilities to do certain things best? It's so God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity. Once we discover our gift, once we develop our gift, which is an ongoing process, we are called to use our gift. Let me tell you something, folks. There is nothing better than living what I call the sweet spot. The sweet spot is where you know what your gifts are, your shape is, your, your, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experiences, and using those to live your life out. I mean, I hear, I don't know what the latest statistics are, but I've heard all kinds of studies about people and their jobs, about how many people are just totally frustrated with their jobs. It's a huge percentage. You know why? Because so often in life we live outside of our giftedness. We work outside of our giftedness. I believe if we lived inside of our giftedness, even in the work world, it doesn't mean every day is going to be great, okay? But it does mean that we'll have a greater, a greater joy in life in what we do. Now, let me tell you about a typical day at Great Oaks, and then we're going to close. And the reason I tell you this is because I want you to understand that so often, this is, this is what it means to use your gift. This morning, 6.30 a.m., I was here at church, usually the first person here. By 7 o'clock, though, I start, people start rolling in here at Great Oaks. We had a bunch of guys here around 7, 7.15 setting up these chairs because these weren't set up because we had a whole bunch of other stuff going on this week, and we had to rearrange a room about five times during a week. 
About a few minutes later, sound techs show up and, and, and lighting people and, and then band members and, and they're starting to practice. Uh, this morning they were, uh, uh, um, they were practicing a, a, a song. They were doing Wipeout as their, as their warm-up song this morning. If you don't know what that is, it's an old song. But, uh, you know, that's what happens here early. That's something that gets their, their blood pumping and their, you know, gets them, their fingers working and everything like that. It's their warm-up song. They were doing that. Now, in the meantime, while that's all going on here early this morning, what happens is the group of people come in over here and are making coffee. You know, the coffee just doesn't miraculously appear at church. It has to be fixed, actually. And so people show up to do that. And, and so that's back here, and they're getting things set up for that as well. And in the meantime, while all that's happening, we start having greeters and first impressions people, people that man the desk coming in and, and setting up stuff for the children's ministry. And, and on a given Sunday, we have, any, we have probably over here between the two services, probably about 30 to 30, 35 people who are working in our children's ministry areas every week. I, don't, I didn't try to add them all up because I can't count that high but the issue is is there's tons of this this is just between this is just between you know 6 30 in the morning till about 12 and then 12 guess what happens all this is torn back down because guess what's going to happen this afternoon a bunch of other volunteers will show up about uh 5 o'clock and they'll start getting ready for for junior high youth group and senior high youth group and they'll start serving there and and they'll start helping out with that as well and and in that process you know by nine o'clock tonight uh, everybody goes home and falls in bed exhausted. But that's typical. That's a typical week. Just just one day of the week. Now, it's not quite as busy as that the rest of the week. But let me tell you, during the week, there's lots of people in and out. There's small group leaders doing stuff. There's there's people coming in here and doing all kinds of things and, and preparing and, and doing stuff like that. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm really glad that they do it, aren't you? Because if they didn't do that, what would happen here is that you wouldn't have quality children's ministries. You wouldn't have caring people taking care of your kids uh, over in the nursery area. You wouldn't have you know, people that are planting in, in the floor over there. I watch, as I walk through, I get to see stuff. Um, kids jumping up and down because they're leading in worship. There's kids you know, and adults leading in worship over there in Upstreet. Over here in the three and four and five-year-old area, you wouldn't have you know, adults sitting in the floor with the kids teaching them and, and caring for them. So you got, God calls us to use our gifts, not only here, but out in the community as well. Because he call, calls us to live according to our shape. And unless you understand what it is, you will be frustrated. You'll be like the person on American Idol that gets out of the room and you've just been told, hey, you can't sing. And they're all whining and crying and stuff like that. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's sad. But that's what happens when you live outside of your giftedness. We need to discover who we are. I challenge you to look at who you are and ask yourself the questions that I talked about earlier. Because when we do so, what happens is God will begin to use us in ways that we can't even imagine. I see that every week to the way God uses all of you to serve here at Great Oaks and in this community. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakcc.org.